Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. And if you're joining us online, I want to say hey to you too. Thanks so much for being with us. If you ever have the opportunity to be with us in person, I highly encourage it. It is great to hear the Word of God over the internet, but it's even better to be here with us in person. So come on, come on, come on. And for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here at No Limits alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission of making a difference. We're passionate about making a difference. And how we do that is we help you know God, we help you find freedom, and we help you discover purpose. So let's get into part 10 of this series about following Jesus, because really following Jesus is the best way that I can help you know God. And let me show you what I mean in our core scripture for this series. We read this 10 times now, or here's the 10th time. Jesus replied, anybody who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. And so what we learn in this scripture, and it's all throughout the Bible, is that God is revealed through Jesus. So if we want to get to know God, then we got to get to know Jesus. And thankfully, there are four books of the Bible dedicated to the life of Jesus. We call them the Gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So if you want to know God, that's where you start. You get in the Gospels and you get to know Jesus. Uh, So go ahead. You know, we found out that Jesus is quite different, right? Has anybody found out, you know, Jesus is a little bit different than I thought that he was through this series. So go ahead and look at somebody next to you, though, and say, I always knew that you were different. I always knew that. (laughs) So last week we camped out in John chapter 6 and we did a deep dive into the miracle where Jesus fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And then after that, he walked on the water, met up with the disciples and instantly, somebody say instantly, transported them to their destination. Now that's a miracle. And then the next day, he ended up rebuking his followers for caring more about their basic necessities than they cared about the kingdom of God. And all three of these stories tied together to show us that Jesus doesn't want us striving and hustling and worrying about our basic needs. He doesn't want that. He wants us to be about the kingdom of God while we trust him for provision. But to rest in his provision, we got to move at his pace, right? He is on a walk. Most of us are on a run. We are rushing to our next destination, and it keeps on moving on us. And yet we keep on rushing and rushing and rushing because the destination that you're running towards is not the destination because we walk towards our destinations. Good stuff. Now, we like to think that we can do our own thing, move at our own pace, and trust God to provide for us, right? He loves us, right? So surely he will do that, but that's not how it works. You don't automatically get to rest in God's provision. There is a condition. And we find it in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. All these things, what he's talking about there is food and clothing and shelter. All these things will be added unto you when you seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness Seek your own kingdom first, and you're going to live your life striving and hustling and unfulfilled. You're not going to get anywhere. But you seek the kingdom of God first, and you're still going to be working. Y'all don't use this message as an excuse to be lazy, or I'm going to come after you. You're still going to be working, but it's not going to be burdensome. And you're going to be full of purpose. And better yet, you can trust God to take care of your needs while you're about his business. And to me, this is good news, but I guess not everybody feels that way, because when Jesus asked his followers for this kind of commitment, many of them turned away, right? And it turns out they wanted Jesus to take care of them 
without giving anything in return. That may be the way of American welfare, but that is not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of Jesus. To follow Jesus is going to cost you. I think Paul said it best in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And you don't hear much about dying to self these days. And maybe it's because pastors are afraid of losing their crowd. And you know what? That's probably true because Jesus lost his crowd whenever he started talking like this. When he gave them a free meal, they were all for it. But then, you know, he asked them to give up their life and they're like, nah, I'm out. I ain't doing this. So we're at the point of the story where Jesus loses many of his followers. And I can only imagine how disappointing that was for him. Because the only reason he was here was to save people from an eternity in hell. And yet people still didn't believe in him. That was so disappointing for him. And after all of this, though, Jesus went back home to Galilee. And you'd think his family would comfort him in such a troubling time when his followers had just turned away from him. But that's not what they did. Take a look. This is Jesus' brothers, and they say, Hey, why don't you leave here and go up to the feast so your disciples can get a good look at the works that you do? No one who intends to be publicly known does everything behind the scenes. If you're serious about what you're doing, come on out in the open and show it to the world. You're like, how, how do you know, Kate, that he had, they had that kind of attitude when they were saying this? Because his brothers were pushing him like this because they didn't believe in him either. Typical brothers. But wow, what a blow for Jesus. Not only did he lose hundreds, maybe thousands of his followers, but his family kicked him while he was down. Has there ever been a challenging time in your life where you needed your family's full support and they kicked you while you were down? So this story ought to be encouraging for you because Jesus went through that too, but it didn't discourage him from his purpose. He didn't bow down to the pressure of his family. He stayed focused on what God asked him to do. And this reveals something about following Jesus. And I'm not sure that this is going to be very popular, but several of these things that we've talked about are probably not very popular. If you have your message notes out, write this down to follow Jesus. I must obey God over family. You mean... If God leads me to start a blog and my family thinks it's crazy, I'm supposed to follow God instead of pleasing my family? You mean if God leads me to be a plumber when my parents want me to become a doctor, I'm supposed to obey God instead of pleasing my parents? You mean if God leads me to get married right out of high school, but my family tells me to go to college first, I'm supposed to follow God instead of pleasing my family? And I know, I know, all the parents with teenagers are like, Cade, shut up right now. But the truth is God leads our kids. He does. And our goal as parents should be to teach them to discern the voice of God and to follow it regardless. You know, it hurts to think about it, but there are going to be times when God gives direction to your kid and he doesn't give the direction to you. So when, you, when, you, when they tell you about it, it's not going to immediately resonate in your spirit. You're going to be like, no, God didn't tell you that. <laughs> but instead of writing it off, you need to let them walk it out. Sure, they might get it wrong. But man, you learn a lot from trial and error. Anybody? Anybody? Our goal as parents should not be to guard them from all mistakes. We should allow them to make mistakes and then teach them how to use their mistakes to propel them forward in life, because all mistakes are our learning experience. 
And all of that to reveal that there's going to be times that God is calling you to do something and your family will not agree with it. And in these times, you follow Jesus, to follow Jesus, you got to choose to obey God over family. When God led me to get married at 18, that's a true story, two months out of high school, and not go to college, my family thought I was crazy. My mom and dad didn't, but everybody else did. Crazy. And you probably would think I was crazy too. People showed up to our wedding, our friends, just to see if we'd really do it because they thought we were crazy too. But now Beth and I have been married for almost 14 years and I wouldn't be who I am today without her. She was God's assignment for me. She really was. And when God led me to start a blog and build a business from the ground up while my wife was the breadwinner, I was at home plunking away on my computer trying to figure things out and she was the one paying for our food. I wasn't making any money. A lot of people made fun of me. They're like, wow, you married someone special, Beth. (laughs) But now, Beth is a stay-at-home mom. She gets to take care of our four kids. And the business not only provides for my family, but it provides for my two employees, and it provides for this church. When I look back, the things that have produced the most fruit in my life were the things that my family and friends did not approve of. But I did it anyway, because the only person I'm following is Jesus. So I bet there's an off-of-the-wall idea that God has given you, and you never pursued it because your family pushed against you. Think about it. I bet everybody in this room has one of those. So I want you to turn over your message notes, and on the back of your message notes, I want you to write down that crazy idea. I'm going to give you one minute to do that right now. What's that crazy idea that you've had that your family told you not to do it, and so you didn't? You bunch of crazy people. Man, a minute's a long time to think about this and write it down, huh? Minute of quiet. All right. So, we're going to come back to that later, so just hang on to that, but let's get back to the book of John. We just read how Jesus' brothers were trying to coerce him into doing miracles for the public to see, and he simply told them, nope, not going to do it because that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. And it would have been the perfect time for Jesus to show off to a crowd because it was uh, all the Jews were gathered for the Feast of Tabernacles. But instead of showing off, Jesus quietly showed up to this feast. He kind of stayed incognito, even though people were looking for him. But in the middle of the feast, Jesus finally breaks his silence. He comes out into the open and he goes up into the temple and he teaches the people. You know, that's what Jesus does, right? He's got to teach us. And they were astonished because his teaching was really good. But he didn't have the education that they wanted him to have. 
And knowing that they were bickering about his lack of education, here's how Jesus responds. He said, Jesus told them, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. Anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. Wow. Jesus drops a load of wisdom right here. He reveals how we can know if what we hear is accurate or not. We were actually talking about this in small group this morning. It's amazing how God ties things together. Get this, it has nothing to do with the speaker's education or experience. It has nothing to do with personality or age or gender. For you to discern if what you hear is accurate or not depends on you. It has everything to do with you. Just like the scripture said, anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether the teaching comes from God or is merely their own. So it comes up to you. Do you want to do the will of God? If you do, you will know whether the teaching you hear is from God or not. You'll know if what you hear on the news is truth or deception. You'll know. But if you're not pursuing the will of God, you will be deceived by wrong teaching and you won't even know that you're deceived. And that's why Jesus clarifies this in the very next verse. He says, those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. Know anybody like that? But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks truth, not lies. We're in such a dangerous place in America because we're told to follow the experts because of their education and their experience. And I'm not against education or experience. They can both be very helpful things, but neither of them is going to determine if this so-called expert is telling the truth or not. The only thing that can help us discern if someone is teaching us truth or lies is pursuing the will of God. If we determine in our hearts to obey God above all else, we will easily see what is truth and what is lies. It will be so clear to you. And in all the confusion last year, I finally figured out that I'm only going to listen to people who are pursuing the will of God period. I don't care how educated they are. I don't care how popular they are. I don't care how expert they are. Their message is going to be more deceptive than it is truth if they're not pursuing the will of God. And shocker, this includes pastors too. There's many fake pastors out there who are not pursuing the will of God and they get in front of their congregations every Sunday and they deceive the people. And it's sickening. And so y'all, this is why I don't take advice from Dr. Fauci. I don't, because it is clear to me that he is not pursuing the will of God. I know he has a lot of knowledge, he has a lot of experience, but he has no wisdom, because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you're not pursuing God, you don't have any wisdom. And knowledge without wisdom is worthless, because you don't even know how to apply it. I will not listen to that guy. We know he doesn't fear God. He's never elevated God over anything else. He has always elevated the virus. He has always elevated himself. He has never elevated God. And Dr. Fauci and his team has deceived the nation and they've led people into a deep hell of fear. And that's what he's done. He may not even realize that he's doing it because when you aren't pursuing the will of God, you're deceived yourself. You don't even realize what you're up to. Open your eyes and see. All the men and women that do fear God, the ones who publicly elevate God over themselves, they have a different message than the self-righteous idiots that you see on the news. 
And whose message should we listen to? What business does a Christian have following anybody who doesn't fear God? I'm serious. We don't follow celebrities. We don't follow the experts. We don't follow the government. We follow Jesus. End of story. But how can we follow Jesus if we hear the deceptive media more than we hear the word of God? God gave me this message, and I said, you want me to preach that? He showed it to me on Wednesday. I was reading through John chapter 7, and I was like, oh, this is going to be so good. Such a good Sunday. And then he reveals to me, like, here's what I want you to speak. What? That? And then from then on, like, each day leading up to this message has just been a, a build upon a build upon of, like, God's presence just resting on me. And I've been in tears for, like, three days now, like, barely able to hold it together because that's just what happens when his presence comes on me, when his love's on me. Like, my emotions just don't know how to handle it. But this is not my message. This is God's message for you. You know, I, got, I was criticized a lot on social media last year because... <clears throat> I don't follow the mainstream media and the celebrity doctors. And it really hurt at first because I was criticized by some people that I cared about that cared about me and it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. And then I finally figured out how to determine if the criticism is worth listening to or not. All you have to do is ask, does this person pursue the will of God? Do they honor the word of God above all else? Because if not, their criticism has no value. They don't even know what they're talking about. And I'm not about to spend my emotional energy on their criticism. And I heard a quote recently that sums this up really well. Never accept criticism from someone you wouldn't ask advice from. On the flip side, if somebody comes to me with criticism, and I know that they pursue the will of God, and they love the word of God, and they follow the word of God, I accept that criticism. And I ask the Lord to show me, what do I need to learn from this? But isn't this great? Like, you don't have to put your trust in experts. Experts. You can know the truth for yourself, because it's revealed by God whenever you pursue the will of God above all else. Let me put it to you this way, to follow Jesus I must pursue God's will. So after explaining how to discern truth from lies, Jesus says something that probably made the people listening red hot. He made them mad. Jesus made people mad? He brings up one of their favorite leaders from the past, Moses. He says, hey, y'all, you don't even follow Moses. And this would be similar to me or any of us bringing up Martin Luther King Jr. in the middle of the racial tensions last year. It's same thing. We love what he did for racial reconciliation, but the so-called advocates of 2020 were not following his teaching. They weren't. Because let's look at this quote from Martin Luther King. What, how does he feel about all this? Well, here's what he said. I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. Martin Luther King Jr. This is from a guy that was pursuing God's will, and it's worth listening to. 
Martin Luther King Jr., he had a beautiful, hopeful mindset. But most people had quite the opposite last year. The reigning mindset last year was that everyone and everything is racist and will always be racist. And the only way to get rid of racism is to suppress the truth and call everybody racist. I don't have time to get into this, but I do want to encourage you today. Just because you're white doesn't mean that you're racist. Just because you were accused of being racist on social media does not mean that you're racist. Because you know what? You know when you're racist because it's something that you do on purpose. And if you struggle with racism, God is the only one that can heal you. He's the only one that can change your heart. So you got to look to him to fill you with unconditional love for all people. So Jesus brings up Moses and he makes the people mad. And what do they do? They accuse him of having a demon. Maybe you think the same thing about me right now. Wow. Cade must have a demon. And then Jesus reminds them of, hey, y'all remember when you got mad at me for healing a man on the Sabbath? You guys remember that story? And then he points out, hey, don't, don't you guys do circumcision on the Sabbath? I mean, how could it be wrong for me to heal somebody on the Sabbath, but it's okay for you to do surgery on somebody on the Sabbath? Can you all explain that to me, you little silly beans? <laughs> I mean, Jesus was good at this kind of stuff. Like, he could get you in a pickle in no time. And I'm sure that was pretty fun for him, but he didn't do it for fun. He did it because it's a powerful way to make a point. And here's the point that he was trying to make this time. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. Oh, crap. Now we're in a pickle. Doesn't the Bible say not to judge? I mean, that's a scripture even unbelievers know by heart. Yet here Jesus is telling us how to judge, judge with righteous judgment. So to figure this out, let's take a look at the most popular misquoted scripture of all time. Here we go. Do not judge anyone anytime for any reason. Not Jesus. That's just how we like to read it, all right? And then this gets spread around like a disease. But here's what Jesus really said. Judge not that you be not judged. Okay. If we isolate this scripture, I can see how people would think that Jesus is telling not to judge anyone, anytime, for any reason. But you know, we got to keep reading because Jesus keeps talking. We can't just shut him off right there. So Jesus, what else you got to say about this? For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay. Now the picture's starting to come into focus, right? If I decide to judge someone else, I better be prepared to receive the same judgment. So let's keep reading because Jesus uses an example to help us understand. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye? And look, a plank is in your own eye. You know, to understand scripture, we have to know who it was written to. At first, it seems like Jesus is talking to everyone with this scripture. It seems like he's saying, hey, nobody, nobody judge anybody so we can all live our lives unchecked and not rub each other the wrong way. But Jesus wasn't giving this instruction to everyone. He was talking to a specific group of people. Hypocrites. He even calls them out by name in the next scripture, in case you think I got this wrong. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly 
to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Whoops, maybe I should delete that second part, right? I mean, how, since we're not supposed to judge, how can, we can't have Jesus telling us it's okay to help somebody get the speck out of their own eye after we got the plank out of our eye. Let's go back to that first verse in this, now that we have more understanding. Judge not, that you be not judged. Jesus is basically saying, hey, hypocrites, talking to you. Since you don't want to judge yourself, stop judging others. The problem is hypocrites don't know how to stop judging others. It's how they make themselves feel good about their own mess. And because they judge others without judging themselves, they face the same judgment they give others. But there's a way out. First, judge yourself. Am I pursuing God's will? Am I doing what God has called me to do? Am I obedient to the word of God? Judge yourself. And once you establish these things in your own life, then you're ready to help somebody else get the speck out of their own eye. Let me tell you, your mindset is completely different at this point. You used to point out people's mess to make yourself feel better. But now that you've judged yourself first, the only reason you bring up other people's mess is to help them into freedom. Your mindset's different. Your motivation is different. Always judge yourself first, and then you'll see clearly to help others. So back to the book of John. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So now we know what Jesus is talking about. Quit judging others to make yourselves look better. Stop it. Instead, judge with righteous judgment by judging yourself first, pursuing God's will, and then helping others do the same. And with all of this, we've learned another thing about following Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must judge with righteous judgment. The damage that's been done to our nation is the church's fault. Christians everywhere are responsible for the nonsense that we're facing today. Because we bought into the lie that you're not supposed to judge anyone, anytime, for any reason. So we let everything go unchecked. We don't call anything out. We sit back and we watch as our nation passes laws that encourage sin and suppress godliness. What do you have when you take away judgment? Lawlessness. What if we shut down the court system in America and got rid of law enforcement? What would we have? Chaos and lawlessness. What does Jesus say about lawlessness? Well, it's part of his description of the end times. He's talking about the end times here. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Who would have known that CNN and ABC were the false prophets? And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Y'all, why do we ignore sin? Because we're told that's how you love people, right? But what does ignored sin do, according to this scripture? It destroys love. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness destroys love. It's up to the church to judge with righteous judgment so that true love doesn't completely fade away. It's up to us. It's up to us to push against the lawlessness so the gospel can be spread to the entire world. And here's how Jesus says it in the very next verse. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Endures what? 
But he who endures to the end, endures what? The things Jesus just mentioned, persecution. You got to endure persecution. You got to endure offense. You got to endure deception. You got to endure lawlessness. You have a responsibility to judge yourself. You should look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself every day, are you pursuing God's will? Are you? And once you've determined in your heart that you will pursue God's will in your own life, then you have a responsibility to judge the things around you with righteous judgment. That means that we don't run from the issues of our day. We don't hide from them. We bring forth truth with boldness and we eliminate the deception. We look at the issue of abortion and we say, no, abortion is not okay for any reason. God knew us before we were even born. We are not just a clump of cells from the moment of conception. We are a human being created in the image of God. And we look at the pandemic and we say, no, I will not hide in my house. I will go forth with great courage and I will demonstrate the promises of God because he promises me that no pestilence will come near my dwelling. And we look at the LGBTQ issue. We say, no, God did not plan for anybody to live their life in the trap of sexual immorality. That is not his plan for anybody. He created a man and a woman, a husband and a wife to enjoy intimacy together, just the two of them to bring forth a thriving family together. And we look at the racism issue and we say, come to Jesus, follow Jesus, because we are all one in Christ. The only thing that can heal a racist heart is Jesus. And we look at the issue of child sex trafficking and we say, we will save the children. We will not sit back while children are tortured. But we will go to battle as the army of God. And we will get rid of all those who are responsible for harming our children. And we will destroy evil. We can't look to the government to solve moral problems. Do you know why they're trying? Because the church has not been doing its job. They're really trying to clean up our mess. And they suck at it because they don't have the word of God. We can't hide in our closets and pray. We have to rise up as the army of God and share the truth with love and boldness. For many years now, we've been singing the song, there's an army rising up. How long does it take an army to rise up? So how do we do this? That's the question. How do we do this? Well, in the same chapter of John, Jesus gives us the answer. And this is on the last day of the feast. And he, Jesus stood and he cried out. Get his passion there. He cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then it goes on to explain that what Jesus is talking about here is the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. So in this chapter... We just discovered Jesus, you know, he explained how we got to seek the will of God above all else. And that's what enables us to see truth from lies. It's the only way we can keep from being deceived. And you guys ought to be doing everything you can to not be deceived because we are living in the age of deception. And then he goes on to give us the instruction to go out and judge righteously. You know, seeking the will of God is not exactly a cakewalk. And judging righteously, that's a pretty intimidating assignment. And Jesus realizes this, and that's why he offers us the Holy Spirit. 
with the Holy Spirit on board, out of our hearts flow rivers of living water. In other words, when we speak truth, even though it might be hard to hear, it helps people. It brings life. With the Holy Spirit comes boldness. It comes power so that you can do what God asks you to do. You no longer bow down to intimidation, but you stand up boldly and you share the truth and you don't apologize when somebody doesn't like it. We can't do this without being filled with the Holy Spirit. During worship today, God revealed to me that today's service is a catalyst service. which means that it's a shift. A time that we will look back on with great admiration of the starting point of an incredible work of God. And I'm going to prophesy over this church. That this is a place where people who have been harmed by the vaccine will come to receive healing. I know it's true. Because when I was talking to the Lord about my concern over it, my concern for people, God said, I'm going to use you, No Limits Church, to bring healing. The damage caused is not permanent because my power can overcome anything. And no, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Just so you know, I don't spend any time looking into conspiracies. I look to God every day and I say, God, what are you speaking to me about this? How are you going to use me in this? And what do you want to do? What is your will in this? And God, I want you to know that we submit to your will. We submit to your way. And we thank you that your glory rests on this place. We thank you for what you're going to do through us. And before we get out of here, I've got one more question, of course. Is there anybody in here who wants to make Jesus the Lord of your life today? Parker's reminding us that he made Jesus the Lord of his life. Buddy, you can come up here and tell us again. He's got his hand up in the open. Come on up, Parker. Why don't you let Jesus know that you love him? Say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. So when I went to um, golf practice, and when I golf, and I just like hit the ball, like it went so far ahead, and it actually went in the hole. And when we went to Somme Green, 
And then it, we had to use a putter. It's like, and then we like hit it. It was like, on, there was like a hole right there. And then when I put it in there, when I got it in there, I win. Y'all caught that, didn't you? <laughs> yes. And it was a visual that God gave him for us. You think it was an unrelated story, but it was very much what God wanted him to share. Thank you, Parker. That's awesome. All right, if you're listening online and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, it's as simple as believing in your heart, which you have already done because you've already made that decision. There's no certain prayer you have to pray. There's no hocus pocus. There's no, I don't have to touch you. Nothing like that. You just decide in your heart, Jesus is my Lord and you follow him and you tell others, Jesus is my Lord. It's that simple because he loves you and he has a plan for you and he wants you to follow him and it's going to be the best ride of your life. (laughs) Amen. And if you decided to do that today, we want you to text us and let us know so that we can walk with you along that journey. And our number is 918-373-9883. You can text anything to that number, prayer request, tell us that you received Jesus, tell us you received the Holy Spirit, anything. Just text us and let us know. Amen. Amen. What a good service. Well, y'all, a few weeks ago, I was letting you guys know how our giving has enabled us to buy a recliner for somebody in our church who needed one, who's at home struggling with a health battle right now. His name's John Ring. And he texted me this morning, and I just want to read this to you because it's going to bless you. He says, I want to give you a praise report. The leakage in my legs prior to receiving the recliner was so bad, the bandages would get saturated after one day in two weeks' time because... I'm able to elevate my feet now. So he's had the recliner for two weeks. He's able to elevate his feet because of the recliner. His wounds are drying up very, very quickly. Praise God. The doctor was amazed when he saw the progress in the wounds just two weeks ago. And I wanted to thank the church. And I want to thank God because my healing is now becoming visible. And I'm walking with God and and not running. (laughs) He was listening last week, wasn't he? That's so awesome. (laughs) I'm taking that sermon to heart and practicing as much as I can because I know God is my healer and my church family is what uplifts me spiritually, mentally, and now physically. Praise God. Yeah. We love you, John. We love you too, Linda. If you'd like to give today and raise your hand for an offering envelope, if you're giving by cash or check, or you can give online anytime. And how you do that is you visit nolimits.fyi, tap the giving button. That'll get you where you need to know. Get, Get you where you need to go. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.